This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. All right, y'all ready for a sermon? <laughs> Happy Resurrection Sunday. I am. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. I'm excited to talk about this today. And I know, in general, this is a story that's kind of familiar for a lot of people, especially church people, right? You, everybody knows the story. And so I'm going to tell it a little bit differently. I'm going to tell a different part of the story, and we'll focus on it a little bit and see if we can get some new perspective, some fresh perspective today. And I think you'll probably notice I didn't stand up here and say, Happy Easter, everybody. I said, Happy Resurrection Sunday. And I kind of do that purposely, not to be religious. I don't want to be like, don't say Easter. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to be that. You can say Easter if you want to. Um, but I personally try my best to say Resurrection Sunday because there's a difference in my mindset when it comes to that. And a lot of you may not even realize there's also a history to Easter and what it is. Like, have you ever, have you ever just sat down and thought about like, why are we hiding eggs? What does this have to do with Jesus? Like, is he hiding too? What's, what's going on here? You know, uh, like, and bunnies. What do bunnies have to do with anything? Like, I know God created them and they're cute little creatures, you know, but like, like, why are we, why, are, why do we got chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs? Uh, and what does that have to do with Jesus? And here's, a, here's just an interesting historical anecdote, okay? So what a lot of people don't realize is that early on when the Roman Catholic Church was kind of first getting going, the reason it shifted the way it did was because Judaism started kind of getting overtaken by the Romans, okay? So we're back in like 300 BC at this point, okay? And one of the Roman emperors gave their life to Jesus and then decided, I'm going to call everyone in our nation Christian. And so he like literally, he took his whole army and marched them through a river and said, you're all baptized now. (laughs) If you want to go look it up, it's Emperor Constantine. Okay, so he had a vision, he gave his life to Jesus, he marched his army through, and he tried to unify the entire Roman Empire under the umbrella of Christian. But how many of you know that just because you get told, hey, you're a Christian now by the government, doesn't make you one? (laughs) And in, in their religion, in their pagan religion, guess what they celebrated around this time? They celebrated the goddess Ishtar. Sound familiar? Ishtar? And she was the fertility goddess. The fertility got Eggs and, and bunnies? You guys following where I'm going here? <laughs> Have you ever heard the saying, multiplying like bunnies? And Okay, so one of the ways that they celebrated their, their pagan goddess, Ishtar, was she was a fertility goddess. So they eggs and bunnies were... You know, obviously they didn't have chocolate bunnies and stuff back then. It's become very much Americanized and commercialized now. But that is where this kind of entered into Christianity and became a thing. That's the roots of it all. Okay? And so when we say Happy Easter, there's nothing in the Bible about Easter. There's no word in the Bible that says Easter. Easter is actually named, like it's kind of the modern way we say Ishtar. And so I personally feel like I'm, like if I tell somebody Happy Easter, I'm like, happy fertility goddess day, you know, and it just feels a little weird to me just because I know my history. And so anyway, you don't have to follow my footsteps, right? Like, and if uh, sometimes I'll just, 
if I'm meeting somebody on the street and they're like, happy Easter, I don't correct them or feel like I need to, you know, be all religious or anything. So I just tell them happy Easter back, right? Like I understand the context of it all. Um, but I also think it's helpful for us as a congregation to just talk about it. Like, what are, what are we celebrating today? Well, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, the Passover lamb. And so putting words to it in that way and just saying happy resurrection Sunday, like that's what, that's what we're celebrating, right? And so again, it's okay if you say Easter, we're, we might even make a Facebook or Instagram post that says happy Easter, right? Like we're not going to get religious about this, but having that deep understanding kind of helps give perspective and shifts your mindset a little bit. And I just, I think it's helpful just to talk about. And so anyway, a uh, little side note there before I get into my real sermon. Anybody find that interesting or useful? I hope so. Okay. <clears throat> so I've been in Matthew and we're going to start out. I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here from Matthew chapter 27, and we'll read the passage from verses 11 to 26. So if you want to pull it out, I'm reading in the NIV if you want to follow along. And it says, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. And when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? Jesus again made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At the time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message and said, Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Again, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but then instead an uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Whew. Jesus' blood was for them too. They didn't realize they were actually kind of prophesying. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. We read this story, and I've got a couple questions that we're going to kind of work through. Because this is a big part of the lead-in to the crucifixion and what happened with Jesus. And I want to just give you some questions, and then I'll kind of walk through and answer them. But I want to ask you, how, how could they pick Barabbas? Like, how could they do that? You know, like what, like, where were all the crowds? Like, didn't Jesus feed 5,000 people? And we're like, where were all these crowds that were following him? And why is this crowd suddenly turning on him and picking Barabbas? And then I want to ask you about the crowd. Because there were, there were a lot of crowds that followed Jesus. There were people that 
came around because you know, he's giving away free food, it sounds like, and might, might get, a, get to see a miracle or see something cool. And so I wanted to ask us a little bit today because sometimes when crowds gather, there kind of becomes this crowd mindset. Whether it's online or out in public and you've got this huge crowd and suddenly you can't pacify them. And you can't tell them what they don't want to hear and they're just yelling and screaming and all of these things. And it, you realize like the crowd can sometimes be manipulated. And I would guess that there was actually some of the people in the crowd that had followed Jesus and had been around when he served them and performed miracles. But the other interesting thing about this crowd is there was a lot of people from out of town. They were, celebrate, they were in town to celebrate the Passover. So they wouldn't have even heard of Jesus. They were coming in from the regions all over the place to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with their families. And so some scholars actually say that there were as many as five times the normal number of people in Jerusalem at this time. So part of the reason why the Pharisees chose this time is because they knew they could overwhelm the locals. This was strategic on their part. They knew that it was a time where the Romans were already worried about riots. They knew that they could get a crowd easily out of control. And so if they could get a crowd worked up, they could manipulate Pilate into getting what they wanted. And you see in the story, we're not going to read all of it today, but you see in the story, like Jesus first goes to Pilate, and then all of a sudden he's like going over to King Herod, and then Herod's like, nah, and then he goes back over to Pilate, and you're like, what is happening? And I, I want you to imagine, even in our day, some of the jurisdictional things that we take for granted or don't even realize. And so imagine a criminal starting to get sentenced by the city of Chicago, let's say. And then suddenly the mayor gets involved and they're like, I don't really want to have to deal with this. Let's, let's give it to the governor. He's really in charge, right? And so the, the mayor of Chicago shuffles it over to the governor of Illinois and says, here, this is your problem. You take care of it. And so a little bit, that's what's happening here in this story is there's been a shift. There's King Herod, who was a king that was part Jewish to pacify the Jews. And so he was king over the region, but he wasn't a king with full authority because the Romans actually owned the territory. And the Romans let him rule because a Jewish king would kind of help quell the crowds. And so there's different people in charge in different jurisdictions. And we look back at history and we're like, we're kind of, we read the story and we're confused. We're like, what is happening here? Like, why is there a king? And why is the governor over the king? And what all is happening here? So you've got, you've got a Jewish ruler and you've got a Roman ruler. And the Roman ruler, Pilate, is trying to get out of this situation. Because there's, there's a no-win situation. This is a no-win situation for him. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's got a bunch of people who he's supposed to be controlling for Rome about to riot. And then he also has to report to the Roman emperor. And in the middle of it all, he's got a guy that he thinks is actually pretty innocent. And so you see him kind of washing his hands. And he, you see him coming up with like, okay, how, maybe I'll put, I'll, get, I'll give the opportunity for them to set him free. And that kind of circles us back to how could, how could they pick Barabbas? 
like how, what was going on there? And you know, you watch a few of us watched the Passion the other night together just to get some remembrance of what Jesus went through, and it's such a sobering film. And you see Barabbas up there, and he just kind of looks like this grotesque maniac. You know, he's like growling and he's missing an eye, and he, you're like, oh, what a terrible human being! Like, why? How could they pick pick him over Jesus? You know, but there's a there's actually a key to understanding this a little bit better. So I want you to flip over with me to the book of Mark, chapter 15. This will help us get a little bit deeper understanding of what's happening. Mark, chapter 15, verses 6 through 8. And we're reading now the same story, but it's the gospel according to Mark. And so we're, we're basically, we heard one eyewitness, and now we're hearing another eyewitness. And it says, verse 6, Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. So think about this now. This puts a different term on it because the way Matthew puts it is a notorious criminal. And like when we think of notorious, we think a bad person, someone who murdered somebody in cold blood. But what we don't realize is, again, remember there's this tension between the Jews and the governing Roman authorities who the Jews don't want there. And so undergirding all of this, all of this, the crowds, the riots, all of the things that are happening, the Jews don't want the Romans there. So there's actually been multiple uprisings in Jerusalem during this time. Barabbas was one of the leaders of an insurrection against Rome. He was probably a hero, but a violent hero. And so when you've got, when you've got this moment now, you can picture it a little bit better. You're like, wait, he was in prison for committing murder during an insurrection. This is a moment where they're trying to overthrow the Roman government. So the murder he committed, he probably killed off a Roman soldier or two. This puts Barabbas in a little bit different light. Because when you're part of the crowd, and you know this guy actually wants Rome gone, and he's willing to be violent to get, that way, to get his way, and then you're standing there and you're looking at Jesus, and he doesn't seem to be that intimidating or threatening. He's not raising his fist and trying to get the crowd worked up. He's not screaming out for violence. And in fact, all the crowds know about him is he's the least violent man they've ever heard of. So suddenly the crowds are faced with a violent, bloody Messiah or a Messiah who's kind of like a lamb being silently led to slaughter who's not as interested in overthrowing Rome as they want him to be. And this starts to make a little more sense, doesn't it? Barabbas is the Messiah they wanted. And Jesus is the Messiah they needed. Barabbas was the Messiah they wanted. They wanted a violent overthrow. They wanted a change in regime. And they were willing to do whatever they could do to get it. 
And then you've got Jesus over here who's been preaching about love. He said things crazy like, love your enemies. And these terrible Romans? He says, pray for those who persecute you. Wait, what? That's not the Messiah we wanted. That's not the Messiah. I want a Messiah who's strong and powerful. He's going to come riding in on a stallion and swing his sword. And he's like, I'm going to take a donkey into the city. (laughs) And one is declaring peace. And the other's in chains because he killed somebody. And I think about it now, and it all makes more sense. Jesus wasn't the Messiah they thought they, they needed. Because all they were concerned with, they weren't, they weren't concerned with their sin. They weren't concerned with the issues that were really going on. They weren't concerned with all the demons in their midst. They weren't concerned with all the healings that needed to happen. They weren't concerned that they were living out of God's favor. They just wanted to get Rome out of there. Everything would be good if Rome was gone. Not realizing that the reason Rome was there is because they had become politically corrupt. So politically corrupt, they could take an innocent man straight through a fake trial and get him killed within 24 hours. Because that's what it was. That's what it ended up being. So they sent the most innocent man who's ever lived through a sham trial and executed him in order to get the Messiah that they wanted. You're like, Pastor Aaron, this is a heavy message for Easter. (laughs) You know what it is? I I felt the weight of this sermon as I was preparing and studying and reading again and refreshing my memory on these stories because I realized that a lot of times... We're the same way today. We want, a Messiah, we want the Messiah to do what we want him to do. We want him to fit our mold. We want him to save us from the things that we think we need saving from. We want him to come in and politically change the government and do what we think ought to be done. Whether you're red or blue. He's on your side. You all are catching my drift. (laughs) Right? So we kind of turn Jesus into this political hero. And probably today, most of us aren't like, oh, I want him to be violent and kill somebody with a sword. Like, you're probably not sitting there looking for a violent Messiah, but you're definitely probably looking for a Messiah that... you think you need. Jesus is not here to fit your image. He's not going to fit in your paradigm. Jesus is so much bigger and so much greater. And the way that he stood there and took all the insults and took all the beatings and took the whips across his back and eventually got strung up on a cross for all the world to see, he took evil upon himself and practiced what he preached. When he said, love your enemies, then he said, I'm going to show you how to do it. 
When he said, pray for those who persecute you, he's hanging there on the cross and he's literally saying, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A people who said, let his blood be on the heads of us and our children. I can't even imagine saying that about anybody, let alone the Son of God. And so this morning, this message today on Easter Sunday, Yes, it's about the crucifixion. Yes, it's about the blood that was shed. Yes, it's about the fact that he was raised again on the third day. But is he the Messiah that you think he ought to be? Does he have to fit your mold? Because otherwise you've just created a God in your own image. You've created a God in your own image. And so you're sitting there thinking, I know who Jesus is. I know who the Messiah is. And you know what? That's what the crowds thought. That's what the Pharisees thought. They all thought they knew what Messiah was supposed to be. Messiah is going to come and rescue us from Rome. And some of us have gotten stirred up, stirred up into politics. Probably more than we ought to. Whichever side you're on. Jesus is not your political Messiah. Jesus isn't here to make your arguments. Jesus isn't here for us to get our way. Jesus showed us a better way. Jesus showed us how to lay down our life. Jesus showed us how to love our enemies. Jesus showed us how to walk in forgiveness. These are all Christian things that we know. But it's a lot harder to actually walk out, isn't it? It's hard to forgive people if we're honest. It's really difficult to love. It's difficult to love people in general, let alone an enemy. (laughs) So I want to ask you today, Would you have picked Barabbas? I don't know. If I was standing there in that crowd today, would I have picked Barabbas? Suddenly I'm a little less sure. Because he might have been what I thought I wanted. So this Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate what Jesus did, I wanted to kind of remove some of that veil, some of that layer of religiosity and say, you know what? Jesus came. Jesus died. But he wasn't who you thought. He wasn't who I thought. He's so much bigger. He's so much greater. What he accomplished on that cross went so much deeper than just getting rid of the government at the time. It went so much deeper than fixing all the problems in the world that I think need fixing. He shifted the perspective. He changed everything. You look at history now and everything has changed since Jesus died. Everything has changed and started to get better since he was resurrected. 
And it's taken 2,000 years to bring us to this point. But look at how much, how much good has been done. How many people are alive today? And we need to become a little bit more optimistic about the power of the, of the cross, the power of the gospel to change lives, to set people free, and to realize what Jesus really came to do. And he came to flip the natural order. He didn't come to make you happy. He maybe even didn't come to set you free the way you think you ought to have freedom. But the freedom that Jesus brought was so much greater than they could have realized. You know what I mean? Like they just thought it was about them. They just thought it was about Rome. They thought it was about protecting the temple. No wonder it made them so mad when Jesus is like, see this temple? It'll be destroyed and I'll raise it again in three days. They're like, wait, what? He refused to give in to the powers of the age. He refused to give in and become what everyone wanted him to be. And so today, if you reject the Barabbas Messiah, if you reject the violence, if you reject the anger, if you reject the stuff of this world, you have to fully embrace who Jesus said he was. And what he embodied. And the fact that he took on the blows on my behalf, on your behalf. And he was raised again and he conquered death. He dealt death a death blow to be the real Messiah. Not the Messiah in my image. And certainly not the Messiah in the image of the crowds. came to set us free. So would you stand with me? Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church. 